You know, when you think of a free spirit, it makes sense that you think about a poet or a writer or a painter. But don't be fooled. Our guest today, A.D. Maddox, is a world-renowned artist. And although we spoke with her, and I've got to know her a little bit over the years, she has this free spirit to herself, but don't be fooled. She's a dedicated, really hardworking, successful entrepreneur and artist. We spoke with A.D. after, I think she said she had about four hours of sleep after finishing a painting, getting ready for her big gallery debut that's coming out actually this Friday. But she still was dedicated and wanted to get on the podcast, and we thank her for that. She talks a little bit today about her life, and uh, we jump right into a conversation, and uh, the introduction is a little bit later in the podcast, but the conversation when I started recording was was really talking about what got her to where she was. So you're going to interestingly hear her pick up talking about that and how she really does have a great life right now. And she talks about that, and she also talks about some of the struggles she's had through life, like we all have. But she wears her heart on her sleeve and tells us about it, and she makes it very clear that she wanted to let everybody know about some of the things that she's had to deal with, but in turn have really turned her into or exposed who she really is. And she's a great, great person. I just love talking to her. Every time I hear her voice, it makes me smile. She is a free spirit, but a dedicated, very successful artist, and we thank her for that. Thanks, A.D., for being on this podcast, and thanks, everybody, for listening. Tell us what you think. Here she comes, A.D. Maddox, on In the Scene podcast today. You know, that was one of the things I wanted to talk to you about, too, is because, you know, you're doing it. You're living the dream. I, I, I am... Yeah, I mean, I I definitely can't complain about my life, but it's it's a um, you know it's it's pretty much a I think I think the the main thing is is you you know when when you said about people uh, changing like every seven years or whatever, I think that for for me like in my twenties and. You're trying to find your way, man. That's what I'm trying to say. You're trying to trying to mm-hmm. find your way. And then then there's this idea, like what happened to you with the corporate world is what happened to me when dad told me, uh, you know, don't don't study art because you, artists don't make any money. <laughs> well, he's he's got a point. Mm-hmm. He yeah. he really does. I mean, it's a true statement. Yeah. So that's when I got really lost and when it you know, another way with, um, you know, sports medicine, I was lost in college because I, my main purpose had been thrown out. Right. So Mm -hmm. I think finding your way is, how some people never find their way. Yeah, no, I mean, I was, I was 20 years old when I started the, when I started the fly rod company and the fly shop. And I remember being on a flight with my parents down. We were heading down to Florida to Sanibel Island. And my right. father and my father told me that it was a terrible idea to, to do, to go into fly fishing. And he told me it was a terrible idea. And I was sitting in the back. They were sitting in front of me and my mother and my father. Now my mother is an artist. 
but also did like medical billing and stuff all her life. My mom got out of her seat. It was divine intervention because nobody was sitting next to me. She gets up, she comes, sits next to me. She goes, I think you should do this. I really think you should. So I always That's joked really around with everybody funny. and said, I, everyone would ask me like, why did you start this business? And I said, cause my father told me it was a bad idea and I wanted to prove him wrong. <laughs> you know, that, that's actually, that's, that's really, really funny. Yeah. Um, I, I, I was met purpose is everything. Like I think deep inside each, each person has a purpose to do something, something that's really meaningful. And whether or not you go looking for it, you find it, that's on your back, not mine. Right. Right. <laughs> you, you, you have to, I'm, I mean, there's, there's, you know, life keeps on ticking. It keeps going. If you're, if you're not, if you don't find something to get obsessed about, I'm not talking about like, I'm talking about obsessed, passionate, you know, where where you wake up in the morning and you jump out of bed like it's Christmas. Let's go. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, where's Tom Brady? It, I love Tom Brady. You know, LFG, man, let's go. I know. So I know. Um, if you can get, if you can get out of the gates in the morning, just popping up because you're so excited to go do something. I mean, that's a happy life right there right. for me. Yeah. Right. You're right. Yeah. There was a book that was written. I, I read it actually just a, a couple of years ago called Resisting Happiness. Mm -hmm. And the whole point of the book, it had it had uh, spiritual uh, underpinnings to the whole thing. But the way the book starts was you wake up in the morning and your alarm goes off and you have your first decision to make whether you're going to resist and go back to bed or get up. And yeah. a lot of... Uh, a lot of us go through that all the time. And sometimes the mindfulness or the acknowledgement of when, when there's this resistance in regards to the kind of the mind games that you're going through when, like you said, just get up and, and do it right. Like when, when there are certain people that just do that, you know, they just decide and it's okay to hit the students bar once in a while, but people like yourself, I would imagine more often than not. I mean, you know, I live vicariously by watching, you know, you, ride your motorcycle and, you know, jump in the snow and all this stuff. And, and if half of what you're doing is really you, then you're not resisting happiness. Are you, you're going for it. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm extremely happy. I, I have, <laughs> I have, uh, I, I, I mean, I do, I do everything that I want to do. And, and luckily what I want to do is very pro survival. Um, and fording, uh, you know, my, my passion. I mean, obviously, if you, if you watch me on Instagram, you know that, that I'm pretty dedicated to making art, right? Mm -hmm. Oh, God, yeah. So, so yeah, that's something that you know, sometimes I have to breathe, but I've really set up these designated times for myself to really go play hard, and that's in the summer. But for three months, I'm banned from the easel. No art. The skies open up here in Montana, and it's gorgeous out. And hmm. and I have to go get photographs for my next paintings. And I have to go play motorcycle ride. Go. I'm in a helicopter next month. Um, dad, dad rents these. He doesn't. He charters these helicopters, and we go flying around and 
and uh, I go play. And then I knuckle down. I think it's important that you take a second, if you don't mind, and um, introduce yourself in your own words. Oh, yes. My name is A.D. Maddox, and the A stands for Amelia. The D is something. We'll just say it's Drake. But uh, I am uh, in Livingston, Montana. I'm talking to you on three and a half hours of sleep, and I just finished painting last night. <laughs> JP, you got me at a rare time. That's it's a any time that I could talk to you is a great time for me. So I appreciate yeah. you. I appreciate you taking taking the time. So, um, you know, uh, I put some of these questions together for you, and I sometimes I can't quite follow where you are because I thought I have some family down in Tennessee, and sometimes I think you're in Tennessee, sometimes I think you're in Jackson. But tell us a, a little bit about where you know where you're from, where you hop around, and stuff like that. You you've jumped around a little bit, haven't you? I sure have. Uh, of course, you know, when you've been walking the planet as long as I have. No, <laughs> I'm not going to say how old I am. Um, I, I was in Jackson Hole for like 20 years, close to 20 years. And then I moved back home for eight years. I was in downtown Nashville and I had a studio in the basement of a high rise. Um, then I got an itch to come back out west. I didn't, I didn't really care for the city life too much, even though Nashville is really awesome. It's just I needed to get on to, uh, you know, being able to fish and, and motorcycle and uh, in wide open spaces. So I moved back. Uh, I couldn't buy in Jackson Hole. It was a little too uh, congested. So I decided to to move to this little sleepy town of Livingston, which is uh, still in the fly fishing Mecca, I believe, mm -hmm. right? This mm -hmm. whole area. Yeah. And um, and then our family, you know, we've got a house uh, south of town about um, 40 miles. So I get to see the, the family when they come in. So it, it's nice for me because I, I come from a really great family of super, super kind people. Um, so I set up shop here and I love it here. Really, really love it here. It took me a little while to get adjusted to it because mm -hmm. I didn't really know anyone. Mm -hmm. And do you feel oh. that the, the, the West calls to you more than any other place? Absolutely. Yeah. This is where my formative years were spent in, you know, Jackson Hole. This is where I built my career out here. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's real special. Uh, yeah, it's a special area. It's a, incredible people live out here. That's, I think, what I like the most about it, how you could get awesome people with with awesome views, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I've found that too from traveling around that I often wonder if there are almost like uh, similar genetics to people that settle in the same places. You know, I found that in Rangeley, Maine, for example, I've spent time in Rangeley, Maine, and everybody seems to be a little bit similar. You know, I find it in the Keys in, in Isla Mirada, 
mm-hmm. way different than Key West. You know, if I'm in Alamorada and and up in the Northern Keys, a lot of people are the same. And I like that my wife and I talk about all the time. Those people are kind of edgy too, because they're kind of they, they. There's a part of them that's like, hey, this is our town. Get the fuck out, which I like. You know, there's a there's way too many mixture of people down in the Keys. But I find out West that. Um, you know, similarly with the towns and stuff. And I've seen some towns change like Darby. I used to spend time in Darby. I saw Darby change. Bozeman's change. Livingston, I've heard, though, has kept this small town flair. I've never been to Craig. I want to go to Craig. But um, where you live is still considered kind of old fashioned uh, Montana a little bit, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I I think it has kept its small town feel. It's nothing like Bozeman. And in the winter, we're really separated. If if you enjoy driving over icy, snowy passes where semis crash, then you go to Bozeman a lot. Sorry to paint that picture. I'm being totally funny, but uh, we're pretty secluded over here. And this place is full of a lot of bulls. That's what I like about it out here. Some really tough people. Mm. Yeah. Would you agree with my statement that you do find that like there's almost kind of genetics? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. About Yeah, I can see how that would be. Absolutely. That you kind of get drawn to people of like energy and places that you tend to like. You obviously kind of, uh, you know, the the energy of people resonate with you, right? Mm-hmm. So. I, so I, I think that's that's really cool, JP. And you fit right in with the tough shit kind of attitude of uh, your town, don't you? I I I probably do. I'm I'm definitely I'm I'm not a maybe person. You mm-hmm. don't get a lot of maybes out of my mouth. I'm I'm yes or no. I mm-hmm. I know my own mind and I know what I'm capable of. I I know what I like. I know people I like in five seconds. I know if I really don't like you. Mm -hmm. So I'm very, um, uh, I don't know the word. I can't think of it. I need another cup of coffee though. (laughs) (laughs) That's good. Well, listen, while you're talking, I will tell you that, and I don't know how you feel about some of these other artists that I'm going to mention, but I'm going to mention them to you is because I have to say that I, uh, of all the people that are doing art in the fly fishing world, uh, Tim Borsky is one that I love. I think he's a wicked talented artist. Derek DeYoung, oh, obviously, he, is another I one. I love his artwork. I've never met the guy. Who, but Tim? His artwork is so hot. Yeah. I've always liked his artwork. It's well, just bad news. I, I, think, I think Tim, Derek, and you are yeah. in the world you you guys are uh you're at the top of your game you guys are awesome and it's a real pleasure i got i'm introducing you a little bit because some people you know may or may not know who you are but you're an extremely accomplished artist your art is just uh wonderful i wish we had a bigger house that i could buy more stuff to put on my walls but i'm going to be building a new workshop and i expect to be talking to you about that but how what's it what's it feel like to be you know respected so well and known so well for being so so unique and so good i think i think the admiration of the art is it's uh it's pretty special to me honestly uh, art's something that you when you produce it you know 
it's right there in your face whether or not people like it or not and then and, and you know it can, it's a sensitive subject right mm-hmm. you put out a painting and someone's like wow that sucks <laughs> like yeah. yeah you know why don't you let me know your address you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> so to have to have the artwork re- respected is re- respected and admired is obviously very fulfilling well and, and it's what puts the the wind in in my sail you know to continue on to the next piece not so much based on what other people think because i mean obviously i know i'm a good artist sorry but the cat's out of the bag on that one it, you know i've been at this for a really long time and and i work very hard at my skill Mm-hmm. So uh, I think some pieces are stronger than others, but it's still a personal challenge for me to continue with, you know, let's give these people something that they like, you know, hopefully. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, and then challenge myself to keep putting it out, but it would not be the same if I didn't have an audience, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I have to ask you a question in regards to getting to where you're at right now. I'm, I'm going to guess something and I'm probably going to be wrong and I want you to correct me. So I'm leading the witness here a little bit. I would assume in the early stages of being an artist, you would paint stuff and you were, for whatever reason, you would paint it. And then eventually people really like it. And, and then they start commissioning you to do work as well. Um, what, is that true? How this whole thing works? You're, you're an artist, you try to find your way. And then at the stage that you're at right now, are you making stuff and then just selling it? Or are you being commissioned to do it or a little bit of both? What's that progression of starting? And then now you're at the sustainable period. What is that? What is the, how, what was that journey like? Ooh, yeah, that's some, those are some years. That's a great question, JP. Um, in, in the beginning, you're just trying to find a way. It, it, it depends on your purpose. Like some people do art and they have another job. And there's people that do art because they're trying to make a buck, right? Yes. And, and in doing it and trying to, in my story, I'm, I'm trying, I'm paying my bills with my art. So I have to find some foothold, some formula that works of where to sell and I did that in Jackson Hole in the surrounding area of you know Sun Valley and and I think a lot of places I'm not going to go into the list of them so I I found this this foothold and then it's like I kept working this formula something that worked right that was getting the the buck in the bank account Mm-hmm. And then I'd have the jobs. Sometimes there were commissions. Um, a, a lot of it was put out on an annual show because we're so seasonal out West because of the fly fishing season and the snow mm-hmm. that I would paint for a summer show, which is seems to be something I've been doing for a very long time. And I'm back in it again. Um, it's hard. It's hard work. The, the art is never created by a committee. It's one-on-one, ball and chain. The, the work doesn't get done unless you're there at the easel. 
with your art in the studio, grinding it out. Um, so the journey is finding out for me what works and then strengthen what works. And if you do something that crashes your statistics, you need to knock it off and continue back at the base of what was working Mm-hmm. to uh, bring the success on right yeah yeah and then where it's like where it is right now i find myself back into this this annual show you know the opening summer show the kickoff party mm-hmm. and um i do have commission work now it's not all the time um i like the freedom of being able to paint whatever I want to. However, if someone if someone sends me a photograph, say if they want me to paint something, it depends if it's something that I want to paint or that I can work with. If I can't bring the best artwork forward, I'm not going to do it. And mm. I, so I don't take all commissions. Right. You know? Yeah. You've used some words about the getting to the grind and doing the work. And Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's interesting for me to hear it, that it is, I know, I understand that it's work for you to do work to paint, but it sounds like, um, it sounds like through the years, uh, in order to really do this, because you are really doing it, it's just like you said, some people like, you know, they do it on the side or whatever, you're doing it, and this is your life you have to continue to paint, huh? You, I mean, it's, you can't, (laughs) if you got, if you stop painting, you, you, you stop making money, right? So you, you can expand expand on this grinding, grinding and work part. You, you can obviously, you know, set up, you know, license out your artwork and, and live off of checks you get from royalties or, uh on on a great great on a great day with great companies i mean i suppose you could make a lot of money doing the licensing work um and and then you know there are artists that set up all the prints the prints do obviously it's income right you got Mm -hmm. there's a lot of different avenues that artists can choose to go to make income off the work um especially today because they're printing stuff on everything mm-hmm. yeah you're right it, yeah i used to paint t-shirts that's how i started my career when i was 23 i was painting t-shirts and selling them for 25 dollars a piece it's crazy <laughs> wow my, that, I, I i i started making fly rods they were 99 dollars a piece Oh my God. Yeah. Don't, don't we have a story of the beginning? And we all have those stories. So, so yeah, um, it's like, it's like any creative though, JP. Yeah. You can do some great works. Good for you. That's good. But this is, you know, a creative, right? If you define an artist as a creative, it's mm -hmm. a verb. You're, you're actively, laying it down also i mean you're creating your brand your company you need to continue creating it the minute 
you stop creating, something ceases to exist. Mm-hmm. Got to keep throwing it down. What's uh, how would you explain your relationship with color? Do you get along with it all the time? Hmm? Go ahead. It's changed. Yeah. Color is a really tricky thing. And I'll tell you why, because in the beginning, if you remember my earlier work was very, very bright, but it started out dull and then it got brighter and then it got really bright, super neon. I started battling with color a little bit. And then as you've seen my new work over the last couple of years, two or three years, I had to, to move out of color and even though it's there, because color is always going to be there a greater, lesser extent, but I'm working more with values. That's why you're not seeing these blown out electric colors. Mm-hmm. I'm working more with lights and darks and want to be more representational of what's really out there, uh, more realism. Because color can, is, it can make or break a piece if you and if you don't know how to use it right and in my opinion for me mm-hmm. yeah because i i'm never talking for other people or what other artists do but for no, me yeah. i'm this, I, this is a good conversation a, a lot of those golden yellows were just wrecking some of my pieces they're just too bright and i mean people uh, could look at that piece and and have a, a heart attack you know, you need, you need to get them on the fibrillator. So it, it, it is, it's so electric. And so you started to talk earlier about uh, these core design features that you believe are successful or are attractive to your, your buyers, to your followers, right? That there's, there's some, there's something that you have as an artist and, and, like you said, if you start to stray away from that, you find out that you got to go back to those things. So can you, are you willing to explain this dynamics of, I look at the perspectives that you use on your, on your fish and the, and with the horses. Okay. Mm -hmm. And the, and the things that you focus on through the, through this journey of color and, um, and aspect ratio and, and things like that, it tells me how accomplished you are because you have played with color. You talk about these, uh, these almost uh, suicidal neon colors, right? And then now- well, they, they were now just changed... pretty blown out, JP. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, and I love them, by the way. And, and I don't want to, I'm not going to, I'm going to put it down too. You said, you know, that you're a successful artist and you are. I've made a lot of fly rods and stuff and I have learned- what to do with color and with design in my own stuff. And I have had a lot of, a lot of thoughts where I lay in bed and I think about what I'm going to do to try to be different and still be functional. I try it and it sucks and I have to learn from it. So so going back to my question. So now you've advanced where you've, you're playing with values. You've got, you've got something, whatever this is, where the design of your paintings, people love, and I love, and now you're playing with value and, and adjusting your color and stuff. How have you played with those two dynamics to get to where you're at right now? Or have they both adjusted? You know what I'm saying? 
because the look of the the perspective of the of the fish specifically the fish paintings the perspectives are similar you know the yeah 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 no i just really yeah i get you now i get the question yeah i i um the there's perspectives are the same you know i'm still working from uh obviously i work from photographs right i have to visually i have to get this thing uh referenced correctly mm -hmm. otherwise we're going to have picasso trout coming at you right mm -hmm. i didn't um, know that i didn't know you worked from photographs by the way until today absolutely. it makes sense yeah i've worked, worked from photographs for sure i'm not painting i was on another podcast i, I was i said i'm not a bob ross where i just throw up a trout um <laughs> it it's really balanced me out though with this this is another subject, but going out and photographing the trout in, in the summertime and then and the horses and coming in with the the visual references to, you know, get my anatomy down right and work with the water and whatnot. Um, it's kind of fallen into place with these pieces. I'm getting it pretty dialed in as as far as getting the correct realism of the painting that I want to put forward with the value adjustments. There's a few things here and there that need to get tweaked, but I'm getting it right now dialed. And, you know, it's, it's a growing process because you, for right now, I'm doing this. This is what is in the now. Yeah. But, you and I both know that when you're when you're creative, you don't know what's going to happen. I mean, I might be into, you know, when I'm in my 70s, I might need electric heart attack color again to get mm -hmm. me breathing in the morning. I don't right. know. Yeah. <laughs> Something. <laughs> are you are you um, you're mentioning realism a lot, too. Is that is that mm -hmm. something that you're pushing yourself to do more? absolutely that's a that's a goal of mine is to get more and more realistic and the reason that it's fallen into place the reason that a lot of these paintings you're looking at them and going holy cats uh is that is the value work see i never studied art just little bits that i had taught myself and and my teachers in high school never taught me in grade school. I wasn't taught. I remember there was a lady that tried to teach me when I was 13. I looked at her like she was on drugs. It's like she was telling me what to do with my values of the mountains when I was painting some camel. And I looked at her and basically get out of my face, lady. I, I, I had teachers that, you know, just really gave me a, a lot of a lot of space to find my way um now if i want to learn anything back to the reason i brought this up is is i'm self-taught if i want to learn something of values i have to seek out i have to seek it out and find exactly specifically what it is that i want to learn or a, a weak area it's like with your fly rods if you have something that's weak that you don't know how to do you've got to go find out how to do it mm -hmm. yeah it yeah. took me a really long time to find that these paintings were taking me way too long to finish mm -hmm. way too long 
and I knew it. So I knew there was something that I didn't understand of something that I was missing. But don't re- isn't, doesn't realism take even longer or no? Unfortunately, <laughs> it, it does. It, it does. It, and that's, I think that's actually what ended up happening that I didn't plan on. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it gives for me more certainty that the piece is going to be visually more aesthetic. I'm going to pull off that, that magic trick when you look at this flat surface and it's going to look real. But yes, JP, I keep timesheets on every painting and it takes so much time that now the prices are going up because of the time. Mm -hmm. And, um, good so i'm i am i'm into some tough nuts tough nuts so yeah so let's talk about tough nuts because i'm gonna i'm gonna tell you a little bit about myself i uh i have i i deal with anger issues i'm much better than i used to be but i get frustrated uh badly because i push myself too hard Okay. And this podcast is not about me, but I'm telling you this stuff so that to confide in you. Um, so if I'm trying to build something that's not a fly rod, it's easy for me to get frustrated when it's not going well. And that's probably because I don't have a lot of experience doing it. For example, if I'm trying to build something out of wood, I'm not a carpenter. I want to be a carpenter, but I'm not a carpenter. So I have in my head what I think I want to do. I don't have the skills yet. I get mad at myself. I get frustrated. With fly rods, I'll make fly rods and I'll make mistakes, but I tend to not like get real angry and want to whip them across the room or anything. Okay. Like I want to whip a hammer across the room if I'm screwing up something I'm trying to build. Okay. So people are going to hear this about me and I try to be Mr. Calm and happy and mindful, but the truth is I have a lot of flaws. I'm curious about you that there must, maybe you never get frustrated. Maybe you do. I think that artists get frustrated a lot. Can you talk about that? Do you ever, is you've gone through these changes and things that you want to do, do you ever get mad or when you're with the canvas similar to me, do you not, do you just accept the challenge and not get mad? What's it like? You've been doing this a long time. There has to be times like, you know, Tiger Woods lost his stroke, right? And he kind of sucked. He had to get it. He had to figure out how to swing golf club again. Yeah, but he was screwing a lot of women. (laughs) And he had to lose his his stroke when he's doing that this he's is true cheating. this is true but yes you know, you're, you're right. gonna lose stroke on that one buddy uh you challenge yourself i could tell though by <laughs> talking to you that you challenge yourself in regards to what you want to be and what you want to do how do you handle how do you handle fr- the frustrating part of not getting to where you want to be fast enough or does that not happen with you uh it, it doesn't happen with me now because it I don't know if I, first off, I don't have anger issues, but I still understand your point about getting frustrated. And basically that's what, uh, let me focus in on that. Uh, you, you have to, I guess the, the way that I look at my artwork, I work and do the best that I can with the skill set of what I have right now. 
and and these these paintings i've always looked at them as children it, it's something that i create that i sit down with and i build and build up the the best that i can with my skill set meaning I, I can only go so far as what I can see. If I can't see, it's not in my reality. I can't paint like some, you know, master when I don't have the skill set of a master. So I don't compare myself to other people while I was doing all this work in the beginning and building up. I don't I, I always had confidence in my skill set and what I had. And you you know this I mean, anyone has to understand this that an artist to greater or less lesser extent has got a whole lot of confidence just to sit at the easel and to throw something up mm -hmm. there there i think it is quite common for the creative type to be pretty confident person because it is a pretty big calling right mm -hmm. yeah to put yourself out there yeah uh, to go into the frustration when I have had at different times hit early on in my career, hit times where I got super angry with a piece that wasn't working out. Destroy it, man. And I've talked about this before. You, people have seen me put exacto blades through paintings and rip them up. Go into destruction mode destroy it it's so liberating mm -hmm. i am the creator and i'm the destroyer these pieces if they're not going to play patty cake with me you're going to burn <laughs> and i great. get a whole lot of joy out of slicing up paintings when they're not obeying right yeah i'm the master i'm the master in my studio and and with my artwork i don't obviously i'm not like this with people right Right. People are so literal these days. I yeah, have I to say that with my artwork, if it's not obeying the master, I'm going to, I'm being so funny right now. <laughs> I will absolutely destroy it. No, I think that that's, yeah. I think that's cool. You know, uh, I, I've, I have a lot of friends that are also metal workers and they talk about having the material surrender to them. And sometimes they can't get the metal to surrender to them. Yeah, bitch. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> and, and, you know, I'll have, I'll have three, $400 of components into a fly rod and I can, and I can't get it. Oh, to yeah, work. Yeah. And, and it's hard for me to, to, to be the destructor, but um, I should try that. It, it, but there, there's it, it also too, you know, it depends. We're people, right? We, mm -hmm. I have days when I have days when I feel great. And maybe I have a little bit more patience and a super light touch too when working with art. Sometimes a fix of a disaster, because I'm the queen of disasters. I've had so many explosions in the studio, paint going everywhere. And I mean, <laughs> oh, that's I, good. I, I, you name it, I've had stuff go wrong with, with screwing up a piece. Sometimes there's light touch days where you know a simple fix is a light touch and then some days, you know, you're exhausted and tired. Mm -hmm. And those usually are not the best days to be working when you know you're you're a walking natural disaster. Yeah. Um, and that 
something in, in your beautiful studio could get seriously injured that day because your rudiments are not in, you need to eat, you need to sleep. Mm-hmm. Um, it's funny that you mentioned that because there are, there are days that I feel like I can't even glue components together the right way. Right. And I guess, yeah. Yeah. I know. I hear and you. Y'all, I mean, people have seen it on Instagram. But I think I got on there one day. I was like, I've never talked. I've never talked in front of people. That would be kind of weird. And I turned the phone around and was like, yeah, I'm taking a day off. Sometimes you have to, sometimes you have to take a day off to go breathe. Uh, when you know that, that you are a natural disaster. Have you always been that way or have you learned that? I've learned that. I've learned that. It's called take a walk, go breathe. It's, I think it's, it's, you know, it's cliche, man. Um, It's not. Well, I see what you're saying, but it, you're better off for it though in the long run, aren't you? Because man, when you try to, when you try to muddle through it, when you don't, when you know you don't have it that day, God, it sucks. The reason being, I'll explain, I'll explain what's behind it is that uh, when you work in close proximity or whatever the distance is between you, your eyeballs and your work, and that distance is the same every day, you get locked in and it's always this constant production. It's a one-way flow of like producing, producing at this distance what can happen is that can get locked in and, and you feel, you feel um, stuck in this one viewpoint all the time. Mm -hmm. And the old thing, the old saying of like, take a walk and go breathe, you go to high places, go to, you know, big distances where you get a whole new viewpoint and your eyeballs can see far, far away you know, things in the distance and that right there should unstick that flow of energy where you feel revived. That's awesome. That makes perfect yeah. sense. Perfect yeah. sense. I think that's, that's probably going to be your in the seam uh, words of wisdom, I bet. And in today's thing, it's, it's just a real simple fix to someone who feels stuck is to go get a, a new uh, reference to view. Right. Yeah. 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 So let's change gears for a second. I don't want to keep you too long, but I want to talk about fishing. Tell, tell, tell me, tell, tell me, tell us the type of fishing that you like to do and where do you go fishing? Do you travel to do it? Do you, you know, tell me about it. I'm not traveling because I'm not putting a mask on right now. I haven't been in an airplane over a year. We're not going to talk about that. So I'm not traveling anywhere unless I can get in my car. Okay. I'm going to, uh, oh, I, I fish around this area. I go with, I, I like to go with guides. I have gone by myself and caught guppies, little, little trout mm-hmm. and gotten my fly stuck in all types of wooden debris dams beaver dams and all that good stuff oh i'm not a professional fly fisherwoman. um i'm intermediate 
and uh, I mean, I've hell, I've been fishing now for 20, 25 years on, on the fly, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mostly trout AD or a little bit of everything or what, what's cut, what type no, of species? Just, just trout because I'm fishing to get photographs for paintings. There's okay. a purpose behind it. And now I go fishing with a guide that is um, catching these, these trout for me while I do the photography. I'm either fishing for myself without a camera or I'm doing the photography because I've tried to do it with the camera on the back end fish and I can't do it. It's too much clutter and debris and stuff going everywhere when the, when mm -hmm. the trout's on, then I've got to get all my camera equipment out. So I'm not doing that anymore. Right. And you. this guy that takes me fishing uh, has got all these private streams that he has leases on. So he takes, it's called secluded water. Yeah. That's trying his, to, yeah, I know him. Yeah, Lee Kinsey, he's awesome. Yeah. So Lee goes out and fishes for me while I get the photographs or I'm fishing and there's no camera. And that's that's really fun too. Yeah, that's cool. I've been I was working with Lee in the middle of COVID to try to get out there and uh with the family and stuff. We ended up saying it's gonna be too hard in 2021, but we're hoping in 2022 to do it. It's he he yeah. uh, sounds like he's got some great opportunities because of these areas that are leased so oh my gosh he completely orchestrates how much traffic these streams get yeah. where his guides yeah. go yeah. and and this is this is rough and tough land i'm sure these ranch owners are walking around with guns on their uh on their person man <laughs> this is highly highly yeah. protective waters yeah <laughs> Yeah, secluded and protected for sure. Yeah, let me show you. Right, I know. I wonder where you're poaching. but but these are some huge, fat brown trout, and um, uh, there's an area too where we went. There was there were brook trout, but I had terrible settings on the camera and shot them all very poorly. I'm, I'm not that great of a photographer either. I'm trying to learn. Well, um, I tell all our guests and I will, and I will tell you the same thing. So obviously um, I'm out in the East coast and I don't know if you followed some of the work that I've done with the nonprofit that I've started, but you have an open invitation. If you ever want to come out here and catch Adirondack native brook trout. Gosh, that would be awesome. I love it out there. You know, I used to go to Hancock every year. Uh, yeah. We were going to one bug, right? The, yeah, the one bug. I I was there from almost the very beginning when they started that. I think yeah. the second year. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So when you start doing that again, you should come out here. Uh, meet my wife and and meet Mark and and the rest of the crew here. And and uh, it is interesting. It's fun to catch brook trout in in the surrounding where they were when the glaciers receded. You know, it's pretty. It's pretty neat. Wow, I would so, love to hear more about that. Yeah, yeah, we, I, I, I can fill you in a little bit more. But trout power has been a great experience. But you have an open invitation for, for brook trout, and they're getting quite large too. I will say the pond brook trout are now we're now you know talking about them in pounds, which is kind of cool. So yeah, so you've got Thank that. You 
appreciate that. I can't wait to get back into an airplane when I can breathe <laughs> and uh, come out to see you and and uh, go fly fishing and and visit my other friends out there. Um, but yeah, you know, another thing I wanted to add with this podcast, because, you know, this is really for the people and for inspiring others is to uh stay really focused, make sure your purpose is completely locked in, you know, what exactly you really want to do and ask those difficult questions of what you're trying to accomplish and, and make sure that that's really set, you know, and carved in and then shoot a laser beam on your goals, every set targets and really drive yourself to get these targets met daily um and go for it there's nothing there's there's really nothing in the way of of achieving everything that you've ever dreamed of except for you of course mm-hmm. that's usually the the one person that always gets in the way that i've seen has, has been myself you know yes in in reflection ad looking back at your career was there a point in time when you realized you mentally realized, okay, I am really mentally all in. And then all of a sudden things really started to take off for you because that happens a lot of times with successful creative people Mm -hmm. is when they get their mind in the spot, just like you said, that you're focused and you, and you believe in yourself and you believe that it's going to happen and you're in, and you're taking in all the inspiration do you have a story like that where all of a sudden you were like, you know what, I, I'm doing this and I know I'm doing it. And all of a sudden, all, all, you know, everything just started to fall into place. Yeah, it, there, there's a couple of places where that happened for me uh, in the beginning, trying to find my way. I really muddled up a lot of things with drugs and alcohol, which really started these huge shifts of my my thinking, obviously, you know, uh a crackhead doesn't think the same as not that I did crack, but you know, it's just going to say that when you're on drugs, you're, you're not thinking straight on your purpose. Right. Um, and I've talked about this before, you know, like, uh, drugs and alcohol can, can cause these huge shifts of thinking that you lose track of, of what your goals are. And that's what happened with me. Um, in the beginning, I was all in and this is the way I was going and things were great. And I was driven every day, just like I am today. And then um, there was a wave of uh, alcohol and drugs, right? So that shifted me. And then then I have to get off that crap, which shifted me again, where I was about to throw in the towel, you know, uh, around uh, to, between the years of like, 2006, you know, 2006, 2005 were really low years for me getting, getting lost because my mind wasn't there. This is all mental gymnastics, every bit of it. It comes down back to Tiger Woods. Why do you think he lost his swing, man? Mm. He, he screwed it up. He lost focus of, of what his purpose was in life, which is being the best golfer on the planet and his purpose turned to the women right so you you got to stay focused on 
on what it is you're trying to do. And, and so I had to get back locked into my goals and what I'm trying to do. And then I refocused and it was tough, man. But I, I will say, and, and the reason I'm bringing this up is because I think a lot of people, I think there are a lot of people out there that drink and a lot of people out there that do drugs, whether it's marijuana, uh, crack, cocaine, I don't care what it is. It's something that's very real. Prescription drugs, mine were prescription drugs, JP. Uh, Adderall, Ritalin, that stuff nearly destroyed my life and it destroyed my mind. And I fought like hell to get off of it. And I share that story because I know there's people out there that go through that stuff. Um, and it also destroyed and took down my purpose and of my artwork, you know, coming off of it. Um, so um, that nearly cost me my career was that shit. Mm -hmm. And that's why I'm sharing it. So. I got back on. I quit that stuff a long time ago. I got off everything back in 2000 and early in 2005. It's a long time ago. Mm -hmm. And uh, I got to imagine the rebound was awesome, though. Come cleaning your head and getting back it, on. It, it sucked. There's no nice way to put it. It was a living hell to get off of prescription pills. I've had six years of hell and I fought through it. Hmm. And then I had a few little baubles with alcohol and, and I got that dialed and got off of alcohol. But I am, I am, I do great without drugs and alcohol. You get drugs and alcohol in the mix and uh, things get wacky. For me mm -hmm. so i've learned enough to not go you know the the whole the whole saying uh that's a that's a hot fire don't don't put your hand on it you're going to get burned oh let's just go test it a little bit oh that's hot and then and then you you pull your hand away and then you go back that's the hot fire don't touch it wow that burned again i'm tired of getting burned mm -hmm. and i've i finally got the alcohol licked alcohol is the worst because it's so socially acceptable right yeah it's fine if you drink a couple of drinks but if you're out getting trashed you know for me that's not pro survival that's not going to get my goals done it's i'm not going to wake up in the morning feeling fresh revived and ready to go wow it's not pro survival you you're an amazing person to be able to talk about it now and look, just look at the awesome stuff you're doing now. It's just amazing. Uh, clearly, clearly a clear mind in regards to you yields yeah. greatness. Yields and, greatness. And, and that's, that's why people are watching me do, produce so well is because I'm, I'm not on drugs, man. Mm -hmm. I'm not on alcohol. And you know, I'm, I'm finally for once, you know, there, I went through a time where I was afraid to talk about people can't know that I used to be on this, flipping you know all this Adderall you know it's like a almost like a prescription junkie and it's fine lots of it man I took so much of that stuff I feel like if if you get really real with people and you reach out you let them know all the trials and tribulations that you've been through you know maybe someone out there needs help they can call you up or 
and they can uh, send you a message and and you know it's, it's all about help helping helping one another out but the reason i'm so focused and driven today is because i do have a clear mind is the bottom line well thanks for sharing this this is a a part of you that i i didn't know about i'm honored that you're willing to talk about it and share it with other people on this podcast and i will say that you know i'm one of the things that i learned from somebody a long time ago they said there's no mirrors on there's no review mirrors on rockets <laughs> you're just going forward you know and <laughs> and some, sometimes you got to look back a little bit and reflect but you know ad you are you're you are a rocket ship of 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 awesomeness right now and and that's my last question to you and i'm sure you're gonna have something interesting to say about it is what does the future what does the future bring for you are you just oh i'm riding? building futures right now for sure um right right now okay future we talk about future we talk about what you can see right when you talk about this why future is very exciting because for me because you can only go as far as you can see. If you can't see, then you can't go there because you don't know where you're going, right? Mm -hmm. uh, what I can see right now is continuing to do these uh, annual shows at the gallery. Um, I, I would love to do some bigger pieces, some real big ones, like some four by six footers. Uh, I don't know if my body's gonna be able to handle it though. That's some grueling work uh i'm going to continue on with the gallery openings every year um i'm going to continue working with the companies doing you know all the merchandise uh gosh i i think i'm so new to livingston jp that i'm gonna continue doing what i'm doing i i want to have some really crazy openings that are themed you know with like people dressing up and disco mm -hmm. lights and parties and same thing with with halloween but as far as creating man i i'm going to continue with the fish i got to continue doing what is working uh the african animals i'm going into a, a hunting club next spring mm. and uh it's an exclusive hunting club so i'm i'm gonna continue with the african animals um do you have a staff or is it just you no it's just me i'm on i'm I, it's kind of me i have a team that doesn't live here that's delegated to help me with certain things mm -hmm. i'm at i'm almost at the brink of needing to hire a full-time assistant but but I want an assistant. And when I do, I'll probably put it online mm -hmm. to, to do the interviews. But I want to pay someone a full on huge salary where they'll stay with me. That's a I huge, don't want to do this. That's a great yeah. thing, by the way, and a huge mm -hmm. step, because when you actually go all in and you can delegate some work, the potential growth curve gets really steep. Could be really. Yeah, I'm definitely delegated right now with you know all internet merchandise and everything i'm delegated really well but as far as the personal assistant or someone to come in and do all this other stuff that pulls me off the easel 
mm-hmm. is the next step in the future. But what's going to put that position there is the income, right? Yeah. So when you hire someone, you have to make sure that you're making, you know, two to three times your normal yeah. salary. Right. Because right. you have to, I'm not talking about paying someone, you know, $20,000, $30,000 a year. You know, it's, it's got to be a steep income because then you'll keep someone and you right. build a team. And uh, that's a whole nother area that I want to do right. I well, want to do right. You've got your, you got your principles of how to be a leader in regards to an employer. That sounds great. And you've got your vision set. Yeah. You're doing great. You're doing great. I'm in the game as just along with everyone else. I'm just <laughs> in the grind with, we're wow. all in this fishbowl together, man. I'm, I'm trying to do the best that I can. I, I don't, I don't have anyone that tells me what to do, JP. I don't have any mentor out there that guides me. Um, I have to bushwhack. This is all just grassroots. I, I don't know uh, mm. the, the right and wrong. I just test things like everyone else and see what works and what doesn't. Um, What's your opinion on God? On God? Yeah, those are, I, I tend to, I stay out of uh, politics and religion. Yeah, good girl. Those are two subjects I don't <laughs> delve into on the business line. Not to, not to, you know, toss you off to the side on that question, but I just kind of keep those things out of the. It's a, it's a good answer. Well, I, uh, I openly talk about it, and I will tell you that there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff you talked about today that, in conclusion and in reflection of this mm-hmm. podcast. The thing that that you talked about twice was clarity. And you wow. you the first time you talked about it, you taught me a lesson about if I'm working on something and that and that distance of whatever it is I'm working on, if I'm stuck in that rut, I've got to change and get clarity by looking out. And and like you said, go look at a wide space, go change your perspective, so to speak, so that you're your corneas and your mind focus on something that's out there and a bigger, bigger look. You also talked about the clarity of cleaning your mind from the struggles that you had to deal with. And it's to me, to me, those things uh, resonate a lot. And I had no idea that we were going to end up talking about those things. I have been constantly inspired by your art, which I can be inspired by your art by just looking at your art and never knowing you. But today I'm leaving this podcast inspired by you as a person. Oh, thanks, baby. Yeah. It's really, really, it's really, really a blessing. I really, really appreciate you taking the time. You're a beautiful person inside and out and artistic and all your work. Uh, And I'm glad that the world has you. So thank you very, very much for being on this podcast. Thanks, JP. Well, you're very, very welcome. Okay, we'll, we'll talk soon, JP. Sounds Bye. good. Bye-bye. There are those people in your life that you can talk to when you're down, and they have a way to kind of knock the shit out of you and get you back on track. And as you can tell, A.D. Maddox is one of those people. I'm glad that 
I've got her in my network to go back and talk to, and I hope that she feels the same way about me. She touched upon a lot of great stuff here today, and, uh, you know, I kind of like the let's F and do it attitude, but you can tell that she's dedicated, and I think that that's one of the things that are important is she's discovered a passion, and she has gone after that, and she also is dedicated to it, and she understands that it takes a lot of hard work. And that's an important thing to understand and endure if you want to be successful to yourself. I guess it means that you are going to drive the passion and execute on your dreams. So what a great podcast with A.D. Maddox today. Thanks, everybody, for listening. In the Scene podcast is brought to you by J.P. Ross Fly Rods. You can find us on jprossflyrods.com. Another link is smallstreamflyfishing.com. We specialize in small stream fly rods. But our purpose is getting a fishing rod in your hand so that you get outside and you're happy. That really is what we exist for. And we hope that you check out our website, Instagram, and Facebook page. And also, if you don't mind, if you like this podcast, please give us a subscription and a review. We really would appreciate that. Thanks so much, everybody, for listening today. And we look forward to seeing you real soon. Bye-bye.